Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Quest for Life podcast. I'm Dr. Ed Slover, and I'm fiercely passionate about helping people pull their ideal future into the present, whatever that means for them. In today's episode, we're going to dispel the myth, the fallacy that knowledge is power. This idea, this sentiment has been perpetuated and blindly accepted, but it simply isn't true. And learning why it's not true can lead to measurable improvements in our lives and the lives of others. So let's get started. In the historical record, the phrase knowledge is power is often attributed to either Sir Francis Bacon or Thomas Jefferson. Pretty brilliant people indeed. Immaterial of who gets historical credit for it. The idea that knowledge alone fails to account for one fundamental thing, taking action. Another way of saying this is that knowledge by itself is good, but without making that knowledge actionable, what's really the point? Now, I'm all about learning for the sake of learning because learning enriches our lives, but in contemporary society, you know, life in business, there needs to be a tangible benefit, something we can point to and say, yeah, that worked, or oh no, that didn't work, and why didn't that work? So let's first talk about knowledge. And knowledge can be broken down in in a variety of ways. Uh, The first I want to talk about is perfect information. Now, if you've ever taken an economics class and you study game theory, you understand perfect information where the rules of the game are known equally by both players. Uh, In practice, I'm not entirely sure that is an actual thing, this whole idea of perfect information, but we can have more perfect information, right? There's, There's always inaccuracies, there's always misrepresentations, there's always contradictions and things. So focus on more perfect information. So for example, with health and fitness, I mean, we intuitively know what we should be doing uh, to take care of ourselves. You know, if you have the choice between eating an apple or eating a Twinkie, we know that the apple is the better choice. And yet many people consume both. We know that we should be moving more. We, we should we should pursue you know, the standard of 10,000 steps per day or Uh, consistently uh, engaging in other forms of physical activity. We know the long-term benefits of that, you know, above and beyond just the aesthetic benefit. And yet we have this knowledge and we still choose not to engage in that behavior for a variety of reasons. You know, with regard to perfect information, we may choose to ignore it. We may choose to not accept it as true and more on truth later in this podcast. Uh, We might not understand it. We might be biased against it. And with regard to bias, there are are three uh, principles to make note of. The first is the power of primacy. That speaks to what we learned first. So if you happen to grow up in a household where you learn two plus two is five, and then later in life, you learn that that is actually not the case, it's, it's really, really difficult to undo that. So what we learn first is extraordinarily important. I mean, think peanut butter preferences. I was exposed to Jif first. And even even today, I can't stomach the thought of eating Peter Pan or Skippy peanut butter. So what we learn first matters. The next is the power of recency. So this is what we were exposed to most recently. So if you are were exposed to a, a marketing or advertising campaign that left an impression, uh, you may be biased towards that. Something on the news, uh, a particular story, you might be biased towards that. So what we will learn most recently 
contains a lot of uh, power and influence in our lives. And then the last one is the salience principle. So salient means prominent. So those things that are right in front of our face consistently can absolutely bias us um, towards uh, certain types of information and, and inform different types of knowledge. Uh, we may be too busy to take action on something. That's, that, that's true in contemporary society. Um, so one of the things we really need to do is take an honest appraisal of how we spend our time and maybe uh, stop some of those things that are time bandits. I think I may have done a previous podcast on that one. Um, and then lastly, we might not have the, the confidence or courage uh, to take action on certain things. So the ability to act on the knowledge leads us to actually having more power. But knowledge by itself is can, can be somewhat you know, fallacious, you know, considering the more power we have, the better we'll be. Well, that may be true, but it, it can't be the ultimate pursuit or, or the goal for our lives. Edu educating ourselves is one part of it, but the application and evaluation have to happen. Right? We need to evaluate whether we applied the knowledge uh, of effectively. So when you hear the phrase knowledge is power, what we really need to ask ourselves is, is that, is that actually the case? And if not, if, if knowledge isn't power, what is it? Knowledge is potential power. Knowledge without the motivation or ability to show or apply it is, is really fundamentally useless. Okay, so then how do we share or apply it? Well, a great starting point is having conversations with ourselves and with others. We, we need the self-motivation. We need to be able to take responsibility uh, and acting on the knowledge. It, it helps influence uh, our decisions. Uh, it helps influence others and others' decisions. So when working with them, it actually leads to this thing called power. We become more influential in, in the lives of others. I mean, think about it this way. Think about managers that hoard knowledge. I mean, it, this, is one, this is one that just seems completely backwards. It's just like flawed logic because it's this idea that I'm going to hold on to this knowledge and that's going to make me powerful and that's going to uh, allow me to either continue my career growth or it's going to protect me from losing my job. I mean, I'm, I've had multiple managers that ascribe to this idea that knowledge is power and the results are all fundamentally the same. Uh, one manager that I had, we'll call her Carol, um, withheld knowledge uh, in order to take credit. And this was this was ultimately just so fascinating to observe because it was it was based in insecurity. It was it was largely driven by ego. There was this this withholding of information in order to later disclose it to get credit for it. And I mean, it just seems it just seems ultimately backwards because in business, the idea and practice of withholding knowledge is more about self preservation than growth. And the the growth of oneself. And the growth of others is, is ultimately paramount in order for the business to be successful. It's this idea that if I withhold my knowledge, I can share it with the right people at the right time. And these people will see my worth. They'll see my value. 
which is completely counterintuitive because if we're able to actually share our knowledge with those people that report to us, those people that follow us and letting our employees or our followers uh, flourish, it actually is self-promoting to the manager. It actually leads to the outcome that you actually want, which would be promotion or career growth or something else. It Putting the knowledge into action doesn't hurt us. In fact, it helps us. And yet we have this backwards idea that, okay, I'm not going to empower my employees to become a better version of themselves, even though doing that allows me to win because they win, my team wins, etc. So it's it's really moving beyond this idea of self-preservation because we do more to help our case by sharing knowledge because it allows us to take on more responsibility. I mean, and we, we've ultimately advanced the cause of those people that report to us. And by making our employees better, by sharing the knowledge we have, we get more opportunities, not less. It's ultimately fascinating. But that idea of self-preservation is largely grounded in fear. And fear as an acronym is false evidence altering reality. It, it, it clouds our judgment in those moments. So let me transition to truth because I mentioned that earlier in the podcast. And this will tie back into what I had just said um, with regard to self-preservation versus uh, more of a growth mindset. I mean, rather than pursuing knowledge, it's better to pursue truth. Truth is knowledge of objective reality free from misrepresentation, inaccuracies, and contradictions. So when you think about that, um, we, the pursuit of knowledge and the pursuit of truth are not the same thing, or at least they're not necessarily the same thing. Knowledge itself doesn't fundamentally change behaviors. So think about it this way. You can learn to drive by reading manuals. You can, you can conceptually learn how to drive by studying the manuals and watching other people. I mean, it's one of the reasons why we're able to learn that skill uh, early, you know, earlier in life, you know, when, during our mid-teenage years, because we've spent our lives up until that point watching our parents drive or other adults in our li lives drive. So we're actually engaging in vicarious learning through mimicking. Um, but... When it comes to uh, when it comes to actually learning the skill, right? That's why we have driver's education classes. It's why we have companies that get teenagers ready to drive because we understand intuitively that yes, we can possess the knowledge of learning how to drive by studying manuals, but we have to we have to ultimately share that knowledge and engage in deliberate practice of actually driving. So then those learning that skill understand that they have to, they have to actually participate in this, in this action. And we share the knowledge in order to help them participate and learn that skill. So in order to, you know, in order to do something, to, to learn something, we have to have it in many ways, the fundamentals shared um, by um, that knowledge shared by other people. I mean, if you think about uh, being a parent, 
you know, we're not raising kids at the end of the day, we're raising adults. And what we want to be able to do is have our children become functional adults. And if we would withhold all of the, all of the knowledge and wisdom that we possess in uh, withhold that, that from them, what, what's the chance that they're actually going to you know, turn into a functional adult when you know, they have to figure out their, uh, their you know, emotional reality you know, during junior high, you know, navigating uh, breakups, navigating peer pressure or social pressure, navigating all of this. And it's through our sharing of our knowledge that helps them develop, develop coping skills, develop resilience, right? So it's the application of, uh, of the shared knowledge that is fundamental. And if we, if we bring it back to truth, um, it's, it's surprising how complicated people make this. I mean, we, when we give our knowledge away, we give our power away and we ultimately get more of that in, in return, we get more power in people's lives, which is to say we get more influence in people's lives and not doing that is actually self-limiting. I mean, Consider that self-improvement is about becoming a better version of yourself so you can be better for others. I mean, this is what we fundamentally need to be doing. And knowledge itself, as I mentioned earlier, doesn't change minds or, or, or behaviors. Truth does, because pursuing truth requires taking meaningful action. I mean, the old adage that the truth shall set you free is, is absolutely 100% correct. It's never been said that knowledge will set you free, right? So not pursuing truth for the sake of gaining knowledge really creates a, a bit of a negative feedback loop. Now, I, wanna, I do want to clarify a point that, um, that I said earlier that the pursuit of knowledge and pursuit of truth are not the same thing. They're not necessarily the same thing. Uh, you, can, you can pursue truth and acquire knowledge along the way that, that match up uh, very nicely. But how we go about really assessing whether or not something is fundamentally true, we need to ask some, uh, some pretty straightforward questions. So, for example, what worked well? Whenever, whenever we ultimately share our knowledge, what did, did that yield some sort of desired result? Right. If you're a marketing expert and you share that expertise in your business to create a marketing campaign, did the business realize the forecasted sales? And then you assess the second question. If if that result was positive, why did it work? You know, you start listing the reasons as to why you achieved particular outcomes. And that informs you that the behaviors and actions and process were more effective than not. The third question is, how has it helped me? Right? From a practical application standpoint, how did I get better? How did that drive a more favorable result? And then you have to look at the opposite uh, types of questions too. I mean, and really, really be honest with yourself and take a, a hard look at it. So what, what didn't work? Because we may have achieved some measure of success and we could point to what worked well, but we also have to assess what didn't work, even if we achieved that measure of success, because we could have likely achieved greater success. So we have to look at what didn't work and why didn't it work effectively? 
So we understand why it worked at least to a point, but then taking stock of why didn't it work effectively? And then lastly, what could I do better in the future? How can I take this knowledge and make it actionable so I get better results? And the, you know, this is obviously easier said than done because we, uh, we end up having emotional attachments to, to the things that we engage in, to the things that we achieve success, and we have emotional attachments to it. And this pursuit of actually getting better requires us to take different action. It requires us to, um, to either share the knowledge we have with others so uh, if, you know, collectively we get better, or it requires others to share their knowledge with us in different ways that lead to different action. So, you know, it's easy to get caught up in habitual thinking. So for example, you know, pursuing self-preservation in your job is largely counterintuitive. I mean, another way to think about this is um, here in the next decade or so, there's going to be a gap in the workforce. Baby boomers are retiring at an alarmingly fast rate. And most of these folks are holding mid to uh, upper level positions within the organizations. And the question is, what are the companies doing to prepare the next generation to succeed those people that are retiring or, uh, or are about to retire? So succession planning is a really good illustration in business of why we need to share the, the, the knowledge, the institutional memory um, in order to prepare the next generation. And so many organizations are, aren't thinking about that. Now, all of a sudden you have, you, you have these individuals within the baby boomers that have so much knowledge about how to run successful businesses. And yet the next generation isn't fully being prepared for, um, you know, to succeed them. Right. So, it seems just sort of counterintuitive, this whole idea of, uh, of not sharing knowledge and, and further not sharing knowledge for the sake of self-preservation. You know, it's this idea that if I protect myself, I'm good. I mean, right? I mean, the answer is no. What we're able to do whenever we share our knowledge and allow other people to take action on that shared knowledge helps them flourish. And if you value that, uh, it will help you flourish because you demonstrate your your willingness and ability to let them flourish through the knowledge that you're sharing. That's how they gain power, at least more power. Uh, that's how you gain more power and influence in their lives. And it becomes this positive feedback loop where I gain more power because I'm sharing my knowledge and I, they're gaining more power because they subsequently share their knowledge. And all the while, the thread that's woven in is the action that's taken on that shared knowledge. Right? So everyone benefits. I mean, this is why knowledge itself isn't power. This is why knowledge alone isn't power. Knowledge for the sake of knowledge by itself isn't power. We have to make it actionable uh, in our lives. So I'm, uh, I, I'm a, a professor at a university in, uh, in the Southwest United States. And th this idea is top of mind for me, where I, I possess not only 
uh, years and years of related business experience, but I also have the conceptual knowledge of the content that I'm teaching. And it doesn't make any sense for me to withhold any of that knowledge for my students because my goal as a teacher is to help shorten the learning curve of my students. So whenever I uh, share not only the conceptual information, but also share my experiences and how I've na navigated this thing called life, my whole goal is to inform them so they don't step in it at some point down the road or it shortens their learning curve or they have a greater recognition of the adversity that they're going to face in life or, or certain situations in, in the business world. And they learn how to cope, how to become more resilient and push through those moments faster than maybe I was able to do. So they're able to take action on that knowledge that's shared. Uh, I mentioned parenting earlier. That that's all, also um, the, you know the process by which we help raise functional adults. It's all about sh sharing knowledge, having them take action, assessing uh, what worked well, why did it work, how did it help them, and of course looking at the opposite as well as what didn't work, uh, why didn't it work, and what could we do to improve you know now going forward. It's all about shortening learning curve. It's all about getting better collectively because we are first individually better for ourselves. And when we study this idea that knowledge, knowledge being power for the sake of uh, acquiring knowledge, that's inconsistent with, all, with what we ultimately claim we want. What we want is for there to be uh, more positive results as we work the process more effectively. So this is why knowledge itself isn't power. And as always, it's food for thought, fellow questers. Be sure to subscribe and consider leaving a five-star rating or even writing a review. I'd certainly appreciate it. Certainly tell your friends, we'd love to keep getting the message out to more and more people. Don't hesitate to contact the show at thequestforlife.com. That is thequest, the number four, life.com. As always, thank you for joining the conversation.